Hey, Playmakers, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you're one of those listeners that just cannot wait for that next episode to drop, and if you're over on YouTube and my website binging my content there, I just wanted to say thank you. It means the world to me. But just remember, the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your entire opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, legal and operations templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 220 other owners, plus so much more. Head to the show notes and choose your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. You'll get more information on the current bonuses. You'll see some success stories of those who have gone before you and exactly what to expect when you join us inside the program. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, here we are with part Three, the final, final part of this three-part series, all about ways to make money quickly in your indoor playground business. Something I've been referring to in these last couple episodes as cash injections. Those things you do when you can't wait months or years to see results. You need revenue now to cover an unexpected bill or repair, to get through a slow month, or to make a new purchase or investment for your business. We've already covered a lot in parts one and two, and if you have any ideas that I missed, please feel free to message me on Instagram and let me know. I would love to hear from you, and I always just love connecting there. All right, let's dive right in. Number one, corporate partnerships. You can reach out to the larger businesses or corporations in your area for potential partnerships for your indoor playground business. Yes, they do often partner with small local businesses. You can offer special rates for their employees or their clients' families, or you can offer to host team building or family day events for their staff. These partnerships can bring in additional revenue, yes, but they can also establish long-term relationships. We've had owners in Playmaker Society do this with car dealerships, large pizza chains in the area, real estate agents or companies, and more. And this is a win-win scenario because you're giving these businesses or agents the opportunity to serve their team members or their clients at a higher level 
all while growing their customer base and income. I know if you've ever bought a house before, sometimes the real estate agent will give you a little welcome to the area gift basket or goodie bag or just a thank you present. How cool would it be as a young family who's brand new to an area to receive a one-month membership to a local play place in that thank you basket? It would be such a nice personalized touch, and I know it would definitely make me want to work with that person again in the future. And trust me, real estate agents, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, all of these types of businesses and service providers love the opportunity to be able to do this, but they might not even know that it's an option. So you might have to approach them. And depending on the situation, I might recommend setting this up as a recurring monthly fee or an invoice to make this more accessible to companies or individuals of all sizes. But if you're in the position where you need to bring in money now, Go in person and offer them a year-long partnership or maybe a bundle of memberships or something like that to give out for a discount or maybe include something extra special. And I've had people try out corporate sponsorships or partnerships and then say, well, it didn't work. I didn't get any takers. So naturally, I ask them, you know, hey, how did you approach these potential partners or these agents or these firms? And more often than not, they'll say, well, I posted on social media about it, or I sent an email to this financial advisor or this insurance agent. And that is just not going to cut it. Even in 2023, when technology and remote communication are king. Many times the executives and the top decision makers that run these companies or organizations are more traditional, or if they're an agent or advisor, they might just be super busy and they might get a ton of incoming messages. And if they're going to be investing thousands of dollars in some sort of sponsorship or partnership, they'll likely want to meet in person to hash it out, or that might be the only way to get their attention. So pick up the phone, call multiple times and send multiple emails or Instagram messages if you have to, depending on where they're most active and get an in-person meeting on the books with the person in charge of HR or partnerships or whoever would be the go-to in that company. So for example, if you're approaching a car dealership and you want to approach them with something like, hey, if you're servicing cars, you can send people to our space and they can play for free while their car is being serviced or your kiddos can play for free and be watched while your, your clients are picking out a car or something like that. You might want to ask for the marketing department. So again, do a little bit of research into the company and figure out who you need to get in front of. And you might hear some no's and that's okay. You will never get what you want if you don't go for it and ask directly and get specific. Even if you secure one to two partnerships out of the 50 that you attempted, that can mean a $10,000 plus payday for your small business, which can be absolutely game-changing. And take the time and ask this company when you meet with them how they think that they might be able to benefit and design that partnership based around their wants and needs. So maybe their desire is to reach more families. Maybe they've been struggling with that side of their marketing. So you can offer to put their logo on your wall somewhere, or maybe their brochures on your counter as part of your partnership agreement. 
Because this will be a low volume revenue stream, meaning you're only probably going to secure one to five of these larger corporate sponsorships, you can take the time to customize each agreement, right? You're not going to get 200 of these partnerships that you have to juggle and manage. It's just going to be a couple. So yes, this will require some legwork. But these partnerships, as I mentioned, can turn into long-term, mutually beneficial relationships that can result in not only recurring revenue if you keep them renewing this partnership year after year or quarter after quarter, but this can also open doors you didn't even know existed. So for example, let's say you form this potential partnership with a car dealership. That owner of that business or one of the decision makers, they might be really well connected in your area. And if you mention to them at some point, like, hey, we're looking to fund a new location, maybe they can get you in the right rooms, get you in conversations with the right people to maybe find investors or people that can help you, again, fund that new location. So I absolutely love this idea. And again, don't be afraid to approach these businesses. They're people just like you and me. And again, yeah, you might hear some no's, but you're never going to hear a yes if you don't go for it and give it your all. All right, idea number two, small business sponsorships. So we talked about how you can work with larger corporations just a moment ago, but let's talk about how you can also involve some small business partnerships, maybe from local mom and pop bakeries, restaurants, small dental or pediatrician offices. You get the idea. Small businesses who have the same clientele as you, so maybe local families with small kids who don't have the five dollars to $10,000 per year budget that the big corporations in your towns might. Instead of offering a more robust partnership like free play for all of their employees or free family days or something like that, you can simply sell them advertising space on your TV or on your walls or on your website Or you can ask them to sponsor a particular piece of equipment and in return, put a little sign up saying sponsored by so-and-so bakery, or you can ask them to sponsor an event or a set of events. So for example, we used to do babies and brunch one Sunday a month, and we would have a local bakery sponsor it and they would give us a little bit of money and they would also provide all of the bagels and pastries and things like that for free in return for us posting about about the event. And when we would post about the event on social media and on our website, we would very clearly put in the title, sponsored by or brought to you by so-and-so bakery. So it was Fran's Bakery at the time. But again, you would just insert the name of your partner. And again, if you're really up against the wall or if you're in a financial pickle, you might know that events can be a big revenue generator, but you might not have the money to put into them to actually get the event set up. So again, event sponsorships could be a great opportunity to do so and to offset your costs a little bit and also generate revenue. So while the checks these businesses write won't be as large as the bigger corporations, If you get 10 local businesses to sponsor you at, let's say, $300 per quarter, that's $3,000 right away in collected cash and $12,000 per year if you get them to renew their support. And I'm sure there are many more than 10 local businesses in your area that share the same clientele. And to reiterate, don't go to them asking them for like charity or anything like that, especially if you're not a nonprofit. Because small businesses get tons of requests for sponsorships, so you need to stand out. 
I remember when we were operating our indoor playground, we would get dozens and dozens and dozens of emails and letters every single week from local sports teams or other local organizations asking for money or asking for donations. So again, you have to stand out and you have to position it as a mutually beneficial agreement. So focus on how they can benefit from the partnership because you already know how you can benefit, right? You can benefit from their cash. So when you approach them, share how many social media followers you have and how often you might agree to post about them on social media. Share your media kit, which we talked about creating all the way back in episode nine of this podcast, and include your monthly amount of visitors, both in person at your business and on your website. Share the size of your email list and your email open rate and share how often you're going to be emailing your list, maybe about the event you're asking them to sponsor or just about them in general if they become a certain level of sponsor. Disclose demographics of your clientele so they can decide if it's a good fit. Like for example, if 90% of your customers have kiddos under five. The more data you provide and the more you can help them justify the expense, the better your responses will be. And again, an in-person meeting or just popping in and asking for the owner goes a long way in getting more yeses. All right, number three, micro-business sponsorships. Now, let me explain. So when I think of small businesses, what we just talked about in number two, again, I think of those mom-and-pop shops or one-location restaurants or local boutiques. They probably have a storefront, they have a few employees, and it's their full-time living. So I wanted to put micro-businesses into their own category here. And the word micro that I'm just kind of making up for this episode, it's not meant to minimize the importance or anything like that of these businesses in any way. It's just because I think in this scenario, they need their own category because they might benefit from partnerships in other ways. So for example, a micro-business might be a mom who makes mugs as a side hustle or a person who sells jewelry at the local farmer's market and doesn't have a storefront yet and doesn't have employees and can't manage a huge number of orders that a larger sponsorship might bring in. Or maybe it's a full-time professional graphic designer that works for a company who might do design projects on the side out of their home. These businesses likely won't even have two to $300 to spend on a partnership or sponsorship like we talked about in number two, but they could still benefit from exposure to your clients. So I like to share this a lot in Playmaker Society, and I'm not going to get into all the details, and I actually provide my Playmaker Society with all the materials they need and examples to execute the strategy. So I'm going to keep that secret sauce just for them and all the help to actually execute the strategy. But essentially, we loved doing what I would call local swag bags. So what we would do is we would charge these smaller micro businesses $20. And in exchange, they would be able to place a coupon or a business card or a sample or something like that into our local swag bags. And at all of our events, so babies and brunch, our character events, our Halloween and holiday events, we would hand a local swag bag to every single customer. So essentially, we were putting these businesses' information directly in the hands of local families, the people who were attending our classes or events. 
Now you might think, well, how does $20 equal a significant amount of money? Well, if you sell 25 spots in your swag bag, that's $500 in cash collected right away. And these bags are really simple to put together. We simply bought just these regular paper bags with handles in bulk from Amazon or WB Mason or Oriental Trading. And we would buy these really cute local swag bag stickers with our logo on it in bulk. And I would just have our team put them together during their downtime on their shifts. So again, very, very inexpensive, especially if you buy in bulk. And let's say, again, you get 25 micro businesses to pay $20. That's $500. And if you work your way up and if people start seeing results from this and getting clients, you can sell a hundred spots at $20 for $2,000. Or instead you could up your price if they're seeing great results and you can charge $50. And that's $5,000 every single time you do these swag bags. Now, again, you're going to have to get specific in terms of what number of bags their spot buys and things like that. They might want to know what types of events you're going to be handing them out at. So you can do this quarterly. You can do it just for your Halloween and holiday events. That's what we typically tended to do because that's where we went really, really event heavy. Throughout the rest of the year, so not October, November, December, we would mainly focus on parties. But for those couple months, we did so many events that it made sense to do these local swag bags. So we would say, okay, for, you know, let's say $50, you get a spot in 500 bags. So again, you have to be really specific. And again, share your media kit. Share exactly what type of customer is coming to these events. So these micro businesses can make a decision on whether or not it will actually benefit their business. And if you're thinking, you know, oh, these people aren't going to say yes. Oftentimes for some of these people, especially if they're like a part-time bookkeeper or a part-time graphic designer, even if they get one client from this, from their participation in the local swag bags, it gives them a positive return on investment. So focus on those clients. And if you're working with maybe a real estate agent that doesn't have a client base built yet, that would be someone to go after as well. Not those big, you know, giant real estate corporations. I'm talking about the independent agents, maybe again, doing it as a side hustle. So if you want all the specifics on how to execute this, again, I put all of this in Playmaker Society. It's one of my favorite things to recommend and tons of owners have seen a lot of success with this. All right, number four, a pay what you want event. So if you're wanting to allow your community to rally around your business and again, generate revenue, but you don't feel super comfortable asking for donations or launching a Kickstarter, like we talked about in episode one of this three-part series, throw a pay what you want event. So you can barter with or hire some entertainment like a face painter or a balloon twister, or you can do it yourself. You can set out some crafts or activities or do a story time or something like that and have a party during an otherwise non-booked party slot. And this is perfect to do during your slow season. We did this one time because we really wanted to buy a climbing caterpillar, which was over $500. And we made it happen with this one 90-minute event. So for us, I used craft supplies that were left over from other events. So we kind of put out a freestyle make your own craft event with these supplies. So we had pipe cleaners, paper, markers, crayons, paint, all sorts of different supplies. I think we had some popsicle sticks, all sorts of things. And we used our reusable decorations. And I made some coffee, which is very inexpensive to do, but parents love it. 
and I worked it myself to reduce costs. And I brought my family with me so customers knew they were supporting a local family business. And we were really specific about what we were doing this event for. We said, hey, you know, we've listened to you. We know that you guys want more gross motor activities in our space. We heard that your kids, you know, need more things to take their energy out on. So we really want to buy this specific Caterpillar. This is exactly how much it's going to cost. So we're going to throw this party and you can pay whatever you want to attend. You can sign up online or you can bring cash or you can put in any amount in your credit card when you arrive. And this is going to be the goal. And yes, some people did take advantage and come for free. But so many people, especially our members, they came and showed up and they paid $50 or $100 for their family to attend. And this is way more than a normal event ticket would typically cost them because they were excited about the new addition. And again, they just felt good about supporting a small family business. So the key here is to make your event super exciting and valuable and let people know exactly what their money is going to go towards. All right, last idea for this episode, idea number five, a content blitz. Now, I went through what a content blitz is and exactly how to execute one in episode 169 of this podcast, but this list would be left incomplete if I didn't include it here as well. So to recap the gist of what I shared in that episode, a marketing content blitz is really similar to the concept of a blitz in football. So in football, a blitz is where a team sends a ton of defensive linemen through the offensive line with one specific and singular goal between them, to sack the quarterback and make a huge game-changing play. And like I said, a marketing content blitz is really similar. A content blitz is where you spend a certain amount of time, maybe a month, going all in on one of your service offerings. You share it so loudly and proudly via social and email and in-person, and you talk about it from all different angles and in all different mediums that your customers literally can't avoid hearing about it, no matter what platform they follow you on or how closely they're paying attention. So can you share other things during this period of content blitzing? Sure. But the number one priority for, again, let's say two weeks or a month is to exert a ton of effort into overcoming that customer awareness and education hurdle for that one singular singular offer. And just like in football, executing a content blitz correctly, it can be game-changing for your business and result in that short-term cash injection you might need. So for example, you could aim to book 60 parties in a single month where your average is maybe 20. And I'm not saying you need to host 60 parties in one month. I'm saying you need to secure deposits for 60 parties in a given month. And all of those deposits can add up to a significant amount of cash. Or you could simply apply this concept to your yearly membership sale, a cash injection strategy that I talked about in part two of this episode series. Whatever service or product your business has that can generate a good deal of revenue, if only more people knew about it or had some incentive to act now, could be perfect for the strategy. So again, you could also apply this to the bundle marketing strategy that we talked about in part two. There are so many applications to this. And this concept is a lot easier than you might think. It just requires some intention and pre-planning to actually accomplish this transformative effect on your business. But as I shared in episode 169, 
you can't go half in on this one. So go back and listen to that episode for all the step-by-step specifics on how to make this successful. But just know you need to mentally commit to giving this one a try with all of your effort because it won't work if you just take a tip or two from that episode and try to see the same results or expect the same results. This is a powerful strategy when followed exactly, but it's not going to get you that desired end result of a large cash injection if you don't go all in. All right, so to sum this one up, we've talked about corporate sponsorships, we've talked about small business sponsorships, micro or solopreneur sponsorships, we've talked about pay what you want events and content blitzes. So by now, throughout this three-part episode series, I hope you feel really confident, even if you're going through a season of growth or abundance right now. Again, I want you to save these strategies in your pocket as your play of the day so that when you do come across an unexpected bill or expense or a slower than usual month, or maybe flu season is going to be really bad this year, or maybe your rent is going to increase a bit. I want you to save these strategies so that you know exactly what to do when something like that comes up. Because the last thing you want to do if an unexpected bill comes up is frantically Google or frantically search and say, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do. So that's why I wanted to compile all of these strategies in one episode series to, again, make it extremely easy for you to find and access when you need it. So if you have any ideas that I missed or if you have any questions, please feel free to message me on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you there. And as always, if you found this episode helpful, the best way you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this podcast. All right, have a great day and I will see you right back here on Friday. Friday.